the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. Thursday edition. It's one of those weeks that just uh, fly by ever so quickly. Kath, good to see you as well. I think that's because of the Sterling Company you keep. That flies by. Christy and me. Don't you, Christy, don't you think that's why? I fully agree. I, I know. I do think that it's because I've been looking at Cass' wardrobe all week long. Wearing another Steelers shirt today. Happily wearing it. It's, it's, a, it's my husband's. It's very large. Mm-hmm. My husband's very tall. Mm-hmm. But it, it's very nicely embroidered. It says Pittsburgh Steelers on it. Because when the Steelers are in the playoffs, every day you represent. Every day? like even Including Saturday? Saturday you're like walking around with the Steelers jersey. Except. It's the really? day before the game. Really? It's what, listen, I've done this my entire life. Really? What kind of a household did you grow up in? Was it like a Steelers? You knew woman? my mom. Yeah. She's doing the same thing? Oh, yeah. Big time. Really? You know what my job was when in the in the uh, early Steelers Super Bowls? Hmm. Did I ever share this? I mean, I was very young when the Steelers started winning Super Bowls. So I didn't really understand the game. It's a good and sentence. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I didn't know what the deal was. Right. So my job was to uh, pay attention enough to the game. This is what my parents told me, that when the defense is on the field, you drape the Zenith console TV with the black towel. It was a bath towel. It's a lot of work. And when the offense is on the field, it's actually ingenious. If you think about a little kid who doesn't know anything about the game, sure, this is a way to make them pay attention, to kind of learn it, right? When the offense is on the field, you take the gold bath towel and that's what you put on the Zenith console TV. <laughs> so this is pre-mass production of the terrible towel. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we were very poor. <laughs> but that's what we did. That was my that's job. As a little kid, that's what I did. Excellent. And I, that's how so I learned. it's ingrained in you. Now, it was. Right? And when special teams was out, uh-huh. you could do whatever you wanted. Mm. You could take, you could put both towels, no towel, like very whatever, nice. whatever you thought was necessary. Mm-hmm. Do you have, uh, look, the other day, uh, what was the last home game? My kid went to the game, and he texted me, and he was like, hey, Dad, where's our terrible towel? I had to go find it, and I found it. Mm-hmm. There was paint on it. I was like, what? You think you concerned that takes the power away? I was like, how did I use this as somehow like sort of a drop cloth or something? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't covered in paint, but there was like splatters on it. I was I like, mean, how say, did that get well, paint on there? Maybe you were out at a game or something, and there was some painting going on, and I you just, know. I mean... The, but, the, the power remains. Don't but be concerned. it was blue paint. So I was like, who's blue? I don't really know what, what to say what's, about what's the blue paint. There? I don't know what that was all about anyway. So we have multiple. Do you have multiple terrible towels? Yes, I do. And I keep them in a particular bag. What? It's like a it's a, it's a black and gold bag huh. I have in my basement. I have all my accoutrement, accoutrement. Okay. in there. Mm-hmm. You see the new, uh, the new uh, song was released. Here, Here we, we go. go. I heard it. What do you it's think? It's good. I mean, I mean, it's a stupid song. Yeah. It was always a stupid, stupid song, song, and now it has updated lyrics. You think anybody makes any money on that? Yes. Do you do? Heck yeah. Here we go. I mean, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. But I do like it. It makes me laugh. Do you even know the beer, bar- the beer barrel polka? 
Christy? Christy? I don't think. Okay. What? Because that was a much better Steeler fight song. Well, it's kind of like the Pennsylvania polka, isn't it? It is the Pennsylvania yeah, polka. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, oh, I do know that. Okay. That actually was a much better song. Oh, song. You had a lot more lyrical involvement. Right. You, I could probably sing it right now. Was that like Franco's Italian Army? Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could probably sing that, what it was like in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy because if I could get those lyrics out of my head, I could probably no, learn no, something about like, you. But now the whole show, I'll be thinking about, here we go. <laughs> it's good. I mean, yeah. I'm glad they updated it. Me I'm too, excited. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's uh, look at the news for the day. Kath, give us the uh, top four at four. I have it for you guys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Number one. Democrats' hopes of finally pushing through voting rights legislation after months of Republican opposition, just so, of course, they can get the public's attention away from the fact that the Build Back Better thing didn't pan out. Anyway, that was my opinion that I inserted. Appeared to be fatally wounded today after Senator Kirsten Sinema announced she would not support changing Senate rules, the whole filibuster thing. According to the Washington Post, Cinema's position, outlined in a midday floor speech, echoed her previous public statements where she defended the filibuster, the Senate's 60-vote supermajority rule, as a tool to facilitate, listen to this, cooperation between parties. Stop That's it. That's a crazy Don't idea. even go there, right? And guard against wild swings in America? federal policy. While I continue to support these bills, she said, I will not support separate actions that worsen the underlying disease of division infecting our country. I want to read her next quote here. Are you ready? We must address the disease itself, the disease of division, to protect our democracy, and it cannot be achieved by one party alone. It cannot be achieved solely by the federal government. The response requires something greater and, yes, more difficult than what the Senate is discussing today. I love it. Here, here. Fabulous. Go for it. Is that a reality? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Number two. Britain's Prince Andrew continues to be in trouble. Today, he has been stripped of royal patronages and military affiliations with the Queen's approval, a day after a U.S. district judge rejected his motion to dismiss a lawsuit brought by a young woman who alleges he sexually abused her when she was 17. The um, quote from the Crown was, quote, The Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. According to CBS News, all of his roles have been handed back to the Queen and will be redistributed to other members of the royal family, according to a royal source. He will no longer be able to use his royal highness. Mm -hmm. Prince Andrew denies all the accusations and has never been charged with a crime. He claims to have no recollection of meeting this woman who is suing him, despite the two of them being photographed together when she was a teenager, but... Jeffrey Epstein's former girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, who was convicted just a couple weeks ago of grooming and trafficking minors, appears in the same photo. Number three, Ali Bove, an assistant professor in the University of Pittsburgh School of Health and Rehab Sciences, fulfilled her lifelong dream when she appeared last night on Jeopardy. Hey! Um, While she did not win, she came in second to Amy Schneider, of course, one of the most successful champs in the whole show's history, who extended her winning streak to 31 games. Holy smokes. So she was kind of on a roll. According to the Trib, Bove is a Duquesne University grad who (laughs) earned her PhD at Pitt, and she said she got into trouble in double jeopardy. Mm. She said a thing came up. It was the subject was science. She felt good about it. She risked a lot of money, but it turned out it was about fossils, and she didn't know the answer. That was the end. Sorry. 
She did say it was an unforgettable experience. I bet. And it went by quickly. She won $2,000. Was it Ken Jennings was hosting it? Uh, was he? I don't know. I don't know. And number four, TJ Watt, my neighbor. Did you know he's my neighbor? I did know he was mm-hmm. your neighbor, yeah. Does, does he, he know? <laughs> does does he, he know. know? No, he doesn't. I'm his neighbor. TJ Watt will have to settle for a share of the NFL season sack record of 22 and a half instead of holding the title himself. The Steelers filed an appeal with the Elias Sports Bureau, the official statistician of the NFL, hoping to get Watt the sack record, but... Did I say record? <laughs> you did. <laughs> I was going to let it go. <laughs> it's hard to say what at the sack of record. Anyway, Elias said no. Said no. Uh, agreed with the statisticians in Baltimore, according to Pro Football Talk. Watt will share the record with Michael Strahan, but the Steelers felt Watt should have been entitled to nope. a sack in the first quarter when he stripped mm-hmm. the quarterback, Huntley, uh, of the ball after an errant staff. But it was called... I said, oh, why did. can't I talk? Instead, it was called a botched snap yeah. by the center and a forced fumble. It hit the guy's bum. Yeah. You saw that. I mean, so clearly. What? Are you all of a sudden Elias? <laughs> no, but I mean, you watched it on TV. Then you saw it in slow motion. And at first it was called a sack. And then they, you know, reconsidered. But you could see it hit the guy's bum. Whose side are you on? I'm on T.J. Watt's side. But you yeah, want to do it. You don't want, you don't want it to get it like well, by default. You're not his neighbor. I'm not. T.J. Watt recorded a sack in the second quarter to tie the record. And that is your top four. At four. Fabulous. Well, that's an awful lot going on here for today's show. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. It sure is. And we have so much to come in the 5 o'clock hour today. Of course, we will have Does This Make Sense coming up. Um, also, in defense of What Would Jesus Do? The old WWJD bracelet. Did you ever wear one? Did you ever wear I one? I did. I don't know if I did. Okay. Anyway, coming up next, venture capitalists see profit in prayer. What does that mean? We'll find out next. 101.5 WORD. For far too long, many churches have embraced a broad, almost all-inclusive definition of what it means to be a Christian. They've failed to draw lines, even where Scripture draws them with clarity and urgency. And it's with urgency that John MacArthur considers what it means to be delivered by God. Join him for the study by that name on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, If SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. 
www.crossroadsministries.com. Want to be a more effective disciple maker in 2022? Crossroads Ministries in Finleyville presents Refuel One Day Pittsburgh, Tuesday, January 25th. A free event for pastors, ministry teams, and community leaders to come together, be inspired, and learn what effective disciple makers do to better impact our world. Featuring Thomas Road Baptist Church Senior Pastor Jonathan Falwell and leaders of the Liberty Church Network. 9 to 3 p.m. January 25th, lunch will be provided. Register free of charge at CrossroadsMinistries.com. Whose rule book do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rule book and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. years ago, a friend of mine said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm using this prayer app, and I, I thought of you, because I thought you might find this interesting. And I was like, what? what? So I downloaded it on my phone, and um, I've listened to it, I bet, almost every day. Hmm. At least six out of seven days. I'm what is it like? It's lovely. It's beautiful. Um, it's very prayerful. It's So is it someone praying and you're listening in? Well, it's it's a it's the format is the same every day, and it starts off with the chiming of bells, and of course the bells are different every day, and then there's a piece a small piece of music, then a voice comes on and says today is, and this is you know the, um, uh, this I'm in uh, the first week of ordinary time, and then it goes back into the music, and then the person comes up and then they recite some scripture. And then they ask questions about what I just heard that are probing in a way. And then there's a quiet reflection time. Then there is the same scripture again and another question. And then there's some quiet time. I know this app. I love it. I've used this app. I used this in Lent last year. It's called Pray, Pray As You Go. Pray As You Go. Yeah. Right. Pray As You Go. Now, I, I said to my wife, hey, I love this. This is fabulous. You should listen to this. She listened to it once and she was like, nope. That's not me. That's not, I'm not doing that. And which made me feel like, right. but I love it. Yeah. It's very contemplative. For someone who has a, who, who can really attend and has a big imagination for spiritual things, I think it's a wonderful app. It gives a lot of space. A lot of space. Now, I did not know this. So there are a, a number of apps that are like this out there in the marketplace well, Daniel Silliman is with us, and he's got a piece at Christianity Today where he's the news editor about venture capitalists see profit in prayer. And Daniel, welcome back to the show. Always good to have you with us. Hey, John and Kathy. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so it sounds like John's not alone in this, right? Um, a lot of people are looking to apps like this, and people are willing to invest. Yeah, I mean, we all know how special John is, but many, <laughs> many people are turning to Just not that apps. special, Stop Dan. it, please. <laughs> Just a little and special. And what's interesting... Yeah, and what's interesting is that they've actually, you know, religious apps as a category have been around as long as apps. On the very first day that the app, that Apple opened its app store, the Bible app, the most popular one, Uversion, which is uh, started by a church out in Oklahoma, Life Church, uh, launched, and it was wildly popular. And 
And there's a bunch of prayer apps and there's, and there's more um, every year. But 2021, what I found was that in 2021, something different happened, which was suddenly a lot of tech funders, a lot of venture capitalists looking to make money on, on the apps that we use suddenly discovered these religion apps. So in 2021, um, $175 million was invested in these software companies developing this technology that's helping people like John pray every day. Interesting. Okay, so Daniel, in your piece, Venture Capitalists See Profit in Prayer, you call out Hallow and Glorify, which um, are really popular apps. Go into this. Now, uh, the the, the app that I use, Pray As You Go, does not have sort of like an internal bump up where I'm paying X. It's a free app. But these mm-hmm. these apps that you're talking about, you know, a lot of them are like you know free, but then you can also spend seven nine dollars or more a month, and you get extra benefits. Yeah, yeah. The big thing that changed um, from the market side in 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 the, the last couple of years was a subscription service. So you can pay a few extra dollars a month, or you can subscribe by the year. And there are more more features. So Hollow, for example, which is specifically um, for Catholics, and it has a lot of Catholic prayers. If you subscribe, you can also get um, homilies. You can get short sermons from about 250 Catholic uh, parishes across the country. Glorify, um, which is not explicitly evangelical, but it's a little bit more evangelical. If you subscribe there, I think it's seven bucks a month, you get uh, more of a community. So there's like a social media aspect and you can connect with other people and, and even do things like have a prayer group, maybe with huh. friends or family or church members. But that's a subscription-based service, which means that... Um, that there's a way to make money. So a lot, a lot, of, a lot of the history of these apps has just been um, a service or something that someone wanted to do, or maybe a ministry. But increasingly, people are seeing it as a ministry and a business simultaneously. Mm, okay, and talk about then the role that COVID is playing in all of this. Um, a lot of people aren't worshiping in person. A lot of people are distanced from people, you know, in general, just looking for, I don't know, a voice, uh, some kind of com- yeah. companionship or being part of a community, maybe? Yeah, at very least, it seems, I mean, that we've all seen this, right? Churches had to shut down or or churches have just had to adjust and they're not, you know, the same as they used to be. In, in a lot of places in Europe, for example, they've... They've said you can't. You can go to church, but you can't sing, which is just a very different experience. So increasingly, people have have turned online, have done streaming, have done you know private stuff um, with these kinds of apps. But I but I think it's clear that if you're investing 175 million dollars, you're not expecting it to end whenever this pandemic finally ends. You're you're really seeing this as something that's going to be a part of people's uh, people's lives um even when going to churches is completely normal hmm, that's really interesting dan you, you do such a, a fine job reporting and as a sidebar I, I want you to tell our audience about samuel morris because you know we think oh hey these apps are like you know sure, sort of sure. cutting edge but you know way back a long time ago uh in washington dc samuel morris had a demonstration tell us that story 
Yeah, well, what's interesting is, like, um, it's just not a new phenomenon that Christians and evangelicals in particular have found ways to use technology to encourage them to strengthen their faith. I mean, anyone listening certainly knows about Christian radio, but we've seen similar things with television and magazines and even back to um, the Telegraph. Um, a lot of people don't know, but in 1844, the first message that Samuel Morse sent that he typed out in his Morse code was, what hath God wrought? There was a kind of religious aspect of it. It was from the Supreme Court, and it went uh, uh, a little ways, not super far, but later he would lay you know, those lines um, under the ocean, and and missionaries in particular saw this as a really powerful tool. It helped missionaries stay in contact with each other. It helped them report back to the home office or whatever. And I even found an example, uh, there's a, a great new book uh, out about telegraphs, and I found this example where um, a missionary in the Ottoman Empire presented the telegraph uh, to the Sultan as an example of the power of Christianity to to to, to um, bring about new technology and help people um, connect with each other and pray over wires, which is not that different than what we're doing today. No, that's fabulous. Well, Daniel Silliman is with us, uh, news editor, Christianity Today, talking about an article he wrote for CT called "Venture Capitalists See Profit in Prayer." I wanted to bring up an interesting quote I thought um, from your piece, which is. Um, reported in the Wall Street Journal. It's a quote from Connie Chang, who's an investor at a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. And she says, quote, one thing I've always thought deeply about is how do I find investments that are tied to what people deem to be a core part of their identity? And when you look at these communities that people strongly identify with, just talking about communities of faith, that's where they spend most of their time, and that's where you get longer-term retention. So that's not as much a spiritual insight as it – that's just common sense. Yeah, and it makes sense as an investor, and specifically a a tech investor. You know, if you're seeing uh, pitch after pitch for for the latest app or the newest way that, like, smartphones are going to – change the world that we live in you you really want to think well well, what's the one what are the investments what are the inventions that are going to matter to people and if and 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 community and identity turn out to be the really important thing so i think um i think that totally makes sense what what connie chang is saying my understanding is that is that she herself is a christian so she might have some that kind of insight into this but yeah i mean if you think about Facebook. It can be super annoying, but your family's there, and that's that's going to make it important to you. So if uh, if uh, if your phone can connect you with God and can connect you with prayer and connect you with Scripture, that's going to become important to you, and that's a reason it would make sense for for people to focus on that. And even some people who don't personally find faith that interesting or that relevant, they're going to invest there because it matters to you. Right. I'd be interested, Daniel, in in the long-term viability of this, because, you know, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that people are throwing into these apps. You can imagine, you know, the people who are the creators of the app, they must be thrilled. I mean, you know, you you do mention this in one of the articles that one of the uh, 
creator says, I pinch myself every day about this. But it's interesting to think, you know, like the app that I use, Pray As You Go, does not, you know, ask for money. But, you know, the other yeah. apps you're talking about, you know, they, you know, as, as I said, $7 or $9, you can bump up to extra features in that. I wonder how that, you know, because, you know, we're so, as believers, we're so adverse to, oh, no, here comes the pastor. It's Giving Sunday, and he's going to, you know, lean down on us a little bit. Or it's time for me to, you know, fill out my pledge card. What about my tithing? Mm. This is a different way of looking at money and the church. And so people who maybe not necessarily would go to church, how they would view this and how they would view their giving connected with their faith aspect. Yeah, and we all know that, like, some forms of spending money are easier than than others. You know, when I set up an automatic payment, I don't necessarily hurt quite as much when it goes out as if I have to write that check out by hand. Yeah. I think the other the other long-term thing we have to think about, which I didn't really get into in the article, is, is what the effect is on prayer. I mean, the, the promise of these apps is, is clearly that they'll, you know, build a habit and that they'll help you pray and that you'll pray more and maybe more deeply. But I don't know that we actually know that that's true yet, yeah. right? It might, it might be that, that, that it's appeals most to the people who are actually pretty good at Bible reading or prayer or daily devotions uh, or scripture meditation. And that the, the apps don't change things as much as just give us a new form. I mean, I, I hope for the, for the sake of the church that they do encourage um, more prayer and devotion and Bible reading. But I don't, I don't know that we can quite take that for granted yet. We'll yeah, to- yeah. It's interesting to think about whether we're making the circle bigger or we're just giving ourselves like more toys to kind of. I don't want I don't, when I say play with. I don't mean to minimize. No, it. No, of course not. But you know, m- more you know, techie things to use. But will the app be a tool for evangelism yeah, in right. some way? Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think you even see that, you know, in the normal life of a church. I mean, my church just started a a new a new Bible study, and it's like, yeah, more people will come. And then you look around, and it's kind of the same people that were there before, which isn't a bad thing. Right. It's just, uh, you know, the, the promise of the apps is really that they'll help those of us who struggle. And and maybe they will. We'll, we'll see. That's, That's certainly cool. what the... the genius software designers are working on. Right, so to be determined. Well, Daniel, thanks enough a lot. Your reporting is always interesting. It's great to be with you guys. Our pleasure. Daniel Silliman, news editor at Christianity Today. His piece, Venture Capitalists See Profit in Prayer. Hey, follow Daniel on Twitter. He's uh, he's all over uh, social media. Always interesting and uh, good insight in reporting. Take a break. I've been teaching my sweet 86-year-old grandma how to use her Alexa. The other day, I'm overhanging out, and I see Grandma about four inches from Alexa yelling, Hey, Alexa, I'm making cookies. Tell me when it's 10 minutes. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and the reality is the mortgage world has changed from old school to new school as well. In the old days, you usually use somebody local, but today, you don't have to be local to be local. You don't have to set up an appointment to see me. You'll have my cell, and you can text or call me anytime. The Stone Age paperwork of old is now, usually just some easy clicks. And if you're refinancing, in most cases, we'll just send a notary to your home for your closing. The level of attention that we bring will make us feel very local for you. We are the United Faith Mortgage. And one other advantage? Read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. 
United Mortgage Corp, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006 towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code word or call 800-391-0954 but right now mypillow.com promo code is word unjunk your sleep at mattress firm's new bed new you sale start the year off right shop select mattresses from top brands starting at 159.99 plus you'll even get immediate delivery don't miss out Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. James Brown and Bill Cower welcoming you back to the Midnight Snack Run. This is one tricky obstacle course. Uh-oh. He's eyeballing a jar of candy. That is tempting right off the start. But he pushes it away. He's approaching a plate of iced cookies. He blows right by him for the apple. Oh, the fridge. Looks like he's headed for the soda. Wait, he jukes left. Grabs the water bottle. That's the way you execute a midnight snack run. Stand up to cancer and rally. Want you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. Cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see a couple of showers, maybe mixed with snow late to the low 32. Breezy tomorrow with clouds giving way to some sunshine. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 34. Saturday will be cloudy, very cold. We'll reach a high Saturday of 23. Sunday, sunshine will be followed by increasing clouds. We'll reach a high Sunday of 33. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Illinois School District is defending an after-school program being offered by the Satanic Temple, a national religious and Sounds human like rights group. Many parents are reportedly furious over the meeting that will be held at Jane Adams Elementary School in Moline, Illinois. The Satanic Temple does not believe in Satan, according to its website, nor will it attempt to convert children to Satanism. Instead, the club will teach children about benevolence and empathy critical thinking, problem solving, creative expression, and personal sovereignty. Oh my gosh, that is the, I'm going to lose. Children grades, children grades one through five are eligible to join the After School Satan Club. Their meetings begin Thursday, January 17th. Quote, this actually isn't a club that's meant to proselytize Satanism or even engage in discussion about religious opinion. 
Satanic Temple co-founder Lucian Greaves told WQAD in Illinois, this is an educational program meant to focus on critical thinking and just basic education skills. Then call it the Education Skills After School Program. Because of a 2001 Supreme Court ruling in the case of Good News Club versus Milford Central School, schools are not, are not allowed to discriminate against religious speech if a religious organization offers a club on their premises. So the after school Satan clubs have already been offered in other schools, and uh, they will be. The, okay, uh, the so so they need a lawyer. Because that doesn't make any. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying court. to litigate everything. I'm. I'm. I'm saying that that if it's not a Satan club, then why is it a religious affiliation at all? It said they're teaching critical thinking. There yeah. should, there's nothing about religion. And I mean, you see the the flyer that they sent home is a cartoon drawing of you know the devil. So it looks like hey, the it could after be a lot school of fun. Satan club is a. I can't really read it. It's an educational program that promotes self-discovery or self-directed education by supporting the intellect. Mm-hmm. Spare me. Okay, so the so the after-school Satan Club is badly named if it if they don't believe in Satan. Well, these people just pushing the envelope, right? Could you imagine those signing your kid up? For the what what are the qualities that they're teaching? Can you do you have that portion of the article? Uh, yeah, That's my favorite. The, uh, yeah, this was the highlight to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an educational program meant to focus on critical thinking and basic educational skills, mm-hmm. right? Um, it talks about the qualities that it's going to inculcate in young children. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Wait, hold on. I've got it here somewhere. Isn't it annoying when your oh, there it is. radio uh, partner decides to tell you what you should read and not read? The club will teach children about benevolence uh-huh. and empathy. Yeah, those are two satanic Critical qualities. thinking. Uh-huh. Problem also solving. Also a critical thinker. Creative expression is my favorite. Personal sovereignty. What? Personal According to sovereignty? A, yeah, is that- that's what they're saying. According to a widely circulated flyer at the school. Uh-huh. See, know, whatever. The- it's, it's wackadoodle. Okay. So, so here's that the good news. That doesn't even make any sense. So then, so whether you're religious or not, that doesn't make any sense. Well, then, well, then the good news is then will that's just stupid. Well, there will be other local churches who say we're doing the after-school Bible club, but it doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Well, I don't know. I mean, what? Uh, I don't know. Well, see now, now you've gotten me offset. It's a wackadoodle world ridiculous. we live in. That's, that's all. like the dumb. Give. Let's take a quick break. Sorry, Kev. Does Calvinism have anything to say to a words. contemporary world? Calvinism on the heels of the Satan Club. That's next here on The Ride Home. Heaven help us indeed. WORD. In his brand new teaching series about integrity, Chuck Swindoll tackles a sensitive topic. Run from sexual sin. We're never told to argue with it or reason with it or try hard to resist it. We're told to run from it. Get out. Become equipped with proven tools for winning over temptation when you listen this week to Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. 
You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffat forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to CancerScreenQuiz.com now and take the American Cancer Society's two-minute cancer screening quiz to find out what screening tests are right for you. Don't wait. Take the quiz. Get screened. Go to CancerScreenQuiz.com now. CancerScreenQuiz.com. I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if the average person would know who John Calvin is. What do you think? No. No. They would think he's Calvin Klein. (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) You're probably If you said, oh, hey, how about John Calvin? They go, I had those jeans back in the 70s, (laughs) right? Robert Joshua is with us. He's an associate professor of politics, international studies at Redeemer University. His new book is called Calvinism for a Secular Age, a 21st century reading of Abraham Kuyper's Stone Lectures. Robert, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm doing great. Excellent. Yeah, Robert, this new project of yours is really interesting to me, um, simply because I, I'm always asking the question, so what can a, what can a contemporary world, and we all know the type of conversations we have and the way people communicate and what the social media world is like and you know all that sort of thing what can a study of john calvin speak into that culture like is there any way to make those two groups communicate yeah, I mean, it's a tall order to be sure. Um, I was a little disappointed that the uh, the association you didn't have originally wasn't Calvin and Hobbes, by the way. It's all yeah. more <laughs> beautiful cartoons. So, right. Sorry, I, I, grew, I grew up on those. That was probably my first passion uh, for John Calvin. And those cartoons are actually based on, right, John Calvin and Thomas Hobbes, these two great sort of right. architects of the modern world. Um, uh, I think in many ways it's it's a hard sell to some to to some degree, but it's it's hard because it's so out of time. It takes us outside of ourselves. Uh, and yet... Calvin, and in particular, the Calvinism that we talk about in this book, it's actually uh, going through a kind of, you know, late 19th, early 20th century Dutch parliamentarian named Abraham Kuyper. Uh, His argument predate in some ways a lot of the big philosophical terms and and today a lot of the just common ideas that people have about uh, about the world. The idea, for example, 
there is, you know, objective knowledge is, uh, uh, is tricky, that there is a sense in which people come at things with emotional and predispositional commitments. Well, Kuiper, you know, mined that from Calvin and talked about that as a worldview, a Christian worldview. Mm. This was way before, you know, the postmodernism of the Second World War sort of popularized these ideas into the American Academy. Um, He was articulating people stand somewhere. They believe in things. And those beliefs are not just things that they hold intellectually abstractly, but in a sense, those beliefs hold them, um, not just them holding the beliefs. And um, it was an extraordinary achievement. And I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that we have an enormous amount to learn from even if it's a little bit out of time in the present day. Well, it's certainly out of time today, right? I mean, today's sort of a so-called co- uh, cancel culture, woke culture, uh, everybody's an expert on everything. Calvinism seems a far cry away. Yeah, well, if anything, I mean, Calvinism can also often seem very offensive to students. And when, when I teach uh, Calvin, and especially Kuiper today, this is one of the things that people struggle with. But um, I think there are two real um, virtuous pieces that come out of this little book, Calvinism in a Secular Age. Well, the whole thing is, of course, lovely. But um, two, two of these kinds of uh, real sort of signposts. The one is people sit somewhere. Cancel, cancel culture, identity politics, all of that, I mean, is well understood. Mm-hmm. Abraham Kuyper, the sense in which we are, you know, we are formed well before we get into the business of sort of forming ourselves or imagining ourselves to be what it is that we want to be. But secondly, and I think this is the word that's really important for us, as polarized as we are, as fractured as we are, as divided as we are, uh, Calvinism gives us, uh, gives us notes, gives us ideas, gives us hope for how to live well together in that deep diversity. Uh, and that, to me, if we can recover voices from the past, who were, by the way, you know, we sometimes imagine the past, you know, much more homogenous, you know, not nearly as divided as we are today. Um, but it's not as though, you know, the history of the 20th century is, a, you know, no, a, right. a long history of people getting along. You know, right, there was right. deep division. And Kuiper died short years after the First World War. In fact, he died in 1920, and he was viciously critical of the of that European war and the divisions and, and the Christians in particular that he said failed not a moment to sort of set alight the continent in war. And he was writing this for how can we imagine a sort of project reconciliation and a project of how to live together amid deep difference. Just today, I was reading in the news that uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema, the Democrat from Arizona, was talking about how she's not going to support getting rid of the filibuster. Um, and obviously, I don't want to talk about that in particular. But what I what I was thinking when you were talking, Robert, is this quote um, that I read that CBS News reported and attributed to her today. And it just reminds me of what you're talking about. She said, we have to address the disease itself, the disease of division. To protect our democracy, and it cannot be achieved by one party alone. It cannot be achieved solely by the federal government. The response requires something greater and, yes, more difficult than what the Senate is discussing today. Now, we're not putting, you know, Kirsten Sinema on the same level as John Calvin or Abraham Kuyper, but boy, that's a, that's an idea that they would both understand. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it resonates with some of the ideas that others like, you know, Edmund Burke and others have talked about in terms of the little platoons of society, that in order for a politics to function well, for it to function justly, for it to function virtuously, it depends on the health and vitality of that society. You know, uh, good, free, liberal societies depend upon uh, upon uh, uh, virtues and values that they cannot legislate, uh, right? And so that kind of 
that kind of local activism, that kind of call for sort of cultural and social regeneration, I mean, that hits right at the heart of the kind of religious impulse of Calvinism, I think. Yes. So, Robert, uh, in today's climate, uh, political, theologically, I mean, is there room in this conversation to have Calvin, you know, sort of lead the way? Would people even be willing to listen to this? Uh, well, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we uh, uh, why, why we are talking about Calvin as sort of inherited through Kuiper, but we, we've given the book an update, a 21st century reception mm-hmm. uh, of some of these ideas. And we say, you know, uh, there's a lot of perennial truth in here, but there's also a lot of things that we need to update to the, co- to the contemporary setting, and that's okay, but how can we put it into conversation with some of the problems that we're facing? That's the project of the book. You know, we're not alone in that. I'd be remiss not to, for example, plug the work of the Center for Public Justice in the United States. States of America that works in this tradition that's very serious about Kuyperian pluralism. Um, these are, I think, some of the notes of hope that we see today. Yeah. And of course, you're not only speaking into a culture that doesn't know who John Calvin is, but you're also speaking into a culture who had, you know, the tyranny of the immediate. Right. So, you know, we tend to talk like we're the smartest people who've ever lived on Earth. We certainly are more moral and upright than any other people who've lived prior to us (laughs) because we can cancel whoever we want to cancel without, you know, whenever we want to. And and there's this there's this inherent type of like spoken virtuousness that we as as our generation tend to just, you know, spout out. And it's really it's it's kind of revolting um, when you compare it against how long history is. I mean, there's just, there are a lot of people, a lot of smart people, a lot of faithful people, a lot of screwed up people, but a lot of people who've come before us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of presentism, sadly, is not... uh uh, it's not necessarily unique to our generation, but I think that's the value in recovering voices like, you know, John Calvin, like Abraham Kuyper and others. Um, it gets us outside of our own heads a little bit. Um, and it, it, it shows us that, you know, we're not, you know, quite as bafflingly unique and that all of history has perhaps not conspired to produce the kind of, you know, genius that is the present age. Um, that actually is one of my favorite philosophers of history, Leopold von Ronke, puts it, every age is equidistant to God. Uh, and so he looks at us all. Wait, give me that quote again, Robert that every age is equidistant to God. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. And I, I love this, you know, that God, that, that, that God, you know, from his perspective looks down and he sees me, yes, sitting here in suburban Ancaster in my, in my desk chair, but also see my grandfather, you know, as, uh, as Netherlands falls to the German occupation of the Second World War. But he also sees, you know, the terrors in Stalingrad, and he also sees the famines in ancient Egypt, and all these things are before him, and, he, and his heart breaks for them, and he's moved for them. And there is this sense in which the God of history who is providentially in charge of it, is not ignorant of it, but is fully present in all of those moments. And I think this is what reading some of the, yes, you know, early and late moderns, but also ancients does for us. It tempers us, and it brings us, I think, closer to this idea that humanity, that all of us, are, as it were, um, children in the eyes of God. Yes, but there's something to be said, though, right? Because we are so biblically illiterate in today's society, let alone historically illiterate, Mm -hmm. that every age is an equal distance to God. People don't want to talk about God in the public sphere, or if they do, they denigrate God. So we're at a disadvantage from the get-go. Yeah. Well, I mean, the advantage is that we're much more literate than at any time in history. Oh, the disadvantage good. is that we practice that skill less than some, perhaps, and <laughs> less than some in the past might have wished yeah. that we would. So, 
Uh, it's uh, uh, there is kind of you know we have a Fahrenheit 451 moment, which is you know it's all available to us, but we just don't read it. And so that's I mean again one of the reasons I think a project mm-hmm. like this can be so valuable. Yeah. Um, so the new book is called Calvinism for a Secular Age: A 21st Century Reading of Abraham Kuyper's Stone Lectures. All right, before you leave us, Robert, um, I remember years ago, maybe four or five, when you wrote the book with Alyssa Wilkinson um, yeah. on you know entertainment. Cylons had such a long name. I don't remember the name of the book. And zombies. Yeah, zombies were in there too. Anyway, um, okay, what are you watching now? Is there anything in pop culture that you've been really taken with over the last year or two? Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm very taken. I'm about to watch the season finale of The Expanse tomorrow, and I absolutely can't wait. It's been one of my favorite sort of political space thrillers. I can't get off. Um, So, I am very excited for the way that this, I mean, it's a a series finale, it's not just a season finale. So, I'm glad that you asked. I'm pumped for that finale. Okay, tomorrow. The Expanse. That's that space one where that person is like, you know, his body is like, you know, drifting in space. Yes, that's the that's the picture that it has. Yeah, right. but it's it's set kind of in a future in which, you know, there are colonies set throughout the solar system, but now they've kind of developed their own sort of political culture systems and now they're sort of vying for control over the resources. I won't go into it any more than that, but no it good. is fantastic. The but streaming. Are great. Streaming on yeah. what? Amazon. Amazon. Very nice. All right. right. Well, thanks for the tip. That was good. Good to connect with you again, Robert. Nice to talk with you. Thank you. Robert Jostra, check it out. Calvinism for a Secular Age. A 21st century reading of Abraham Kuyper's Stone Lectures. Sounds fascinating. Coming up next, we're getting some new money. What do you mean? New money. Us, you, me. U.S. New quarters. (laughs) Do you pay for your own health insurance? Are you self-employed, a gig worker? Are you a small business owner trying to help your employees find affordable benefits? If so, listen up. My name is Tom Jakobin, and you can save 25 to 50% or more on your monthly premiums and have benefits with first dollar protection on many common outpatient services. That's right, no deductible, no copayments. With many traditional health plans, you're functionally uninsured because of deductibles, copays, and other cost sharing devices that benefit the insurance company, but not you. With New Era Health Plans, you can access doctors, hospitals, and urgent care facilities with our freedom of choice nationwide PPO network, including Washington Hospital, St. Clair, Allegheny General, and UPMC. Call me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187, or visit us online at NewEraHealthPlans.com. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towel. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD. McQueen Building Company. 
it's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. This entertainment answer brought to you by Exergen. Lupita Nyong'o stars in The 355, a new female-led action film, and she had this to say about her character. She's very intelligent, extremely passionate about digital security. She is extremely skilled in what she does, one of the best in the world, and a very direct woman. The 355 rated PG-13 in theaters. For my review and more, head over to theentertainmentanswer.com. this box just two nights ago yeah that is a bunch of rare coins that my dad oh, had collected from when he was you. a kid and i remember him telling me about them and i remember when he gave them to me but i just hadn't followed up with them and i had them in this particular drawer yeah and so i just opened the drawer and i was like oh, oh that's those so old coins cool. anyway i opened them up and they are really cool i don't know anything about that world yeah you know i don't so like they were cool for me to see but i'm sure if someone knew what they were talking about they could have been like really wild by some of them or maybe not i just i don't know how to remember evaluate. there was a coin shop in downtown pittsburgh for decades Mm-mm, yeah they that. sold you know they sold rare coins you know i'm sure that, i'm sure there are people here in western pennsylvania there, there has to be at least a coin shop or someone you could go visit who would give you an honest appraisal of what mm-hmm. those coins are and what they're worth i mean right. i'm sure you could just sort of do your own sort of detective research on yeah that. it'd be nice for someone to have them who appreciated them heck yeah as opposed to me and I'd be very I'd... interesting when um when my father-in-law passed away he had literally <laughs> thousands of um silver dollars oh my gosh and they they were distributed amongst family members and they were they went back you know to the 1800s it's fascinating they sit in a drawer, you know, and I'm sure in different family members' houses across the country. But anyway, all that to say, uh, there's a new um, uh, a new design of U.S. quarters, which will feature five new women. And uh, news of the program uh, has been met with cheers. Maya Angelou, uh, the poet, she will be featured on the, uh, the first coin that's going to be released. Now, the front of the coin, the front of the corner, I did not know this, by law, the likeness of George Washington has to appear. Oh, by law. But so where's Maya Angelou going to go? On the back of the quarter. Oh, okay. But the likeness of George Washington is also going to be updated by. Oh, he's, he's going. He's going to look like like the TikTok version of him. <laughs> like if GW was on TikTok, I'm not here's sure what he'd look about like. that. Um, as required by law, the new quarters will keep George Washington's likeness or, or the ob- obverse or head side of the coins. However, they will feature an updated and right-facing, because now it's been you know left-facing for all these years, a right-facing depiction of the first U.S. president designed by Laura Garden Fraser, one of the most prolific female sculptors of the early 20th century. Now, uh, along with uh, Maya Angelou, um, there will also be uh, other likenesses, including Sally Ride. Okay. A physicist and the astronaut, Wilma Mankiller, the first female Cherokee Nation chief, 
Nina Otterwarren, a suffrage movement leader, and Anna Mae Wong, Hollywood's first Chinese-American actress. Uh, These will all roll out by the year of 2025, uh, which is very cool. Now, um, according to a 2018 uh, study by Vox, the website Vox, only 48 countries circulate currency with women printed on paper currency. Is that right? 48. But it's been more than a century since a woman appeared on paper money in America. Now, you may remember this. There was a move to have Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill, which was, uh, I think that this came up uh, like maybe uh, during the Obama administration. Now, here's the deal. A plan uh, announced in 2015 to replace the founding father, Alexander Hamilton, on the $10 bill was reversed a year later, due in part to the massive success of the Broadway musical Hamilton. (laughs) So he got to keep his uh, face on the... That's really funny. I You're never, on the prom, yeah. yeah okay. Instead, the, tra- the Treasury Department announced that a vintage of, of, a vignette of suffrage movement leaders would appear in the back of the currency, a redesign that's not going to happen until 2026. What happened to Harriet Tubman? Well, she was uh, canceled under the Obama administration to replace Andrew Jackson, the president responsible for the 1830 Indian Removal Act. Right. But that was shelved by the Trump administration. But the Biden administration has revived that. However, paper currency, you know, the counterfeiting and all that, very difficult to, you know, go through the process. Of redesigning right. it. Right. So the, the the hard currency, the quarters and whatnot, very easy. So it's in the works, but who knows when that's going to happen. We are On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Supreme Court has stopped the Biden administration from enforcing a requirement that that employees at large businesses be vaccinated against COVID-19 or undergo weekly testing and wear a mask on the job. At the same time, the court allowing the administration to proceed with a vaccine mandate for most health care workers. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy refusing a request by the HASP panel that is investigating the U.S. Capitol attack. McCarthy claims the investigation is not legitimate and accuses the panel of abuse of power. In a Capitol Hill press conference, he says Speaker Nancy Pelosi is using the committee as a political tool. Maybe if Nancy Pelosi had done what other speakers would do and not play politics with it, there could have been a different answer. McCarthy says other investigations reached conclusions in a bipartisan way with less delay. She just played politics while the Senate had two committees. Bipartisan look at what happened on January. That's Bernie Bennett. This is SRN News. 101.5 WORD. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New, new, new music. Life is good. New music from Courtney Ramirez. Land from Toby Mac. Yeah, I'm wondering where's my promise land. And show you the cross from Maddie Mullins. I'll show you the cross. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by United Faith Mortgage. 101.5 Word FM on the weekend. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not. 
on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement, all with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. Everything that we do in the office is to provide a comforting feel to you and your family. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. We do value the time that you spend at our office, and we understand that you don't have hours and hours because lives are crazy nowadays. But we want to really make sure that the time you're spending with us is efficient and effective and works for you as an individual. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see a couple of showers, maybe mixed with snow late to the low 32. Breezy tomorrow with clouds giving way to some sunshine. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 34. Saturday will be cloudy, very cold. We'll reach a high Saturday of 23. Sunday, sunshine will be followed by increasing clouds. We'll reach a high Sunday of 33. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Thanks for coming along for the 5 o'clock hour, the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. Looks like there's a change in the weather. It's fine. It's pretty warm today, which doesn't explain why I'm so cold, but it's relatively warm, and it's going to get very cold. It's in the 40s or so. Yeah. I did my uh, salt run today. Oh. Which is really unusual because I mean, you haven't used any salt yet. I've used, uh, actually, I haven't. My kids have, which okay. is really good father training. Yeah, my kids, we did the snow, was it last week or maybe 10 days or so ago? Something. My uh, boys went out there and shoveled the driveway and they laid down some salt, which was left over from last year. But I figured I better go out and buy some because apparently there is a, you know, the possibility of a major storm headed our way. We won't know until Sunday or so, the, okay. the, the full heft of it. But I thought, I'm kind of low there. So I went out and bought myself um, 800 pounds of salt, just in case. I mean, look, Eight, Did you really buy 800 pounds of salt? Yeah, but they come in 50-pound bags. So Okay, I'm pretty sure that's 16 bags. So I was just ready to go, just in case. Hey, look, I use a lot of salt. I'm just saying. That is shocking. I mean, you know, you've... You've known the you've known me for well, you know many my, years. You know my driveway's like 
20 feet long. You've seen my driveway, so yeah. I've got to be careful out there. Yeah. Anyway, um, how do I get from that? Oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I saw an article uh, in today's paper, and I believe, I'm not sure if it was the Wall Street Journal or whatever it was, um, about a young aspirant who uh, moved to New York City in the hopes of attending Juilliard. Now, Juilliard's kind of like Carnegie Mellon. Right, it's one of the top tier, you know, schools for the performance uh, for performing arts, and so the kid, very, uh, very forward thinking, took to TikTok, moved, I think, from uh, like a small town uh, in Virginia, and paid his way to go into New York City, rented an apartment in the village where he's paying. Uh, I think the apartment is um, like five hundred square feet, a little oh tiny gosh. apartment. He's paying twelve hundred dollars a month for this place. And when I was talking to TikTok saying, I'm getting ready to audition and, you know, I'll follow along. Anyway, he auditioned for Juilliard and then he got the letter and opened it up live on, you know, opened it up on TikTok and he was rejected by Juilliard. Now, his followers, of which at some point started to gain traction with the excitement, anticipation of him going to Juilliard, crushed they pummeled the Juilliard site, giving them, you know, one star. How dare you? Why would you do this? We love this guy. One star to Juilliard, which is like, you know, to their credit, Juilliard did not relent. They uh, they allow 20 people per year into their freshman class. Wow. This kid's never been on stage, but he had the mojo to think. Give it a try. Yeah. Which makes me think about TikTok itself. I know nothing about TikTok, mm-hmm. but I do know that TikTok influencers make millions, millions and millions of dollars. There's a woman, her name is Charlie D'Amelio. Christy, do you follow along? Don't follow her. Uh, she is the top earning, um, I don't know what you call her, influencer, I guess, on TikTok last year. Last year, she brought in, get this, 17 Point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Her younger sister, I'm sorry, her older sister is the second highest owner or earner. She brought in ten million dollars. Now Get it's out. based upon, of course, you know, advertising, clicks, and then you know it gets that secondary thing of a clothing line, perfume, right, cosmetics. Right, they like do that. all these other things. So the, the article that I'm referencing from about these top earners, of course, is from the Wall Street Journal, which is interested in all things financial. And so the thrust of the Wall Street Journal article is saying, look, here's a, a, a 17-year-old girl and a 19-year-old sister who are making more than the corporate titans mm-hmm. in this world, right? Mm-hmm. So so she's out earning uh, – Charlie D'Amelio is out earning the CEO of Exxon <laughs> – the CEO of oh Starbucks, the CEO of Delta, the CEO of McDonald's. Uh, apparently, uh, she's a dancer, and so the, she's featuring herself uh, doing the you know the, the TikTok dancing thing, uh, it, which is just surprising to think that the algorithms of TikTok, which of course is earned or, or owned by a Chinese conglomerate, conglomerate, what that all means for people. Because now you think I'm reading the article, and I'm thinking. Wait a second. She's dancing on TikTok. 
what can I do? I mean, I don't have to earn seventeen million dollars. Right, but how about how about if I earned seventeen dollars? I, mean, I mean, I can make my eyebrows go up and down. Do if I did that, could I earn like maybe you know forty grand? It seriously know. makes you think. How could I have missed the boat so drastically? Or is the bar so low for talent? Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's a fabulous dancer. I mean, maybe she's you know Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire wrapped right. into one. Right. And you think, holy smoke, there's Gene Kelly. I mean. It's just the, the wrinkle of social media and the influencers and what they mean and it's how they make. All right? um, uh, another I wonder what the CEO of Exxon thinks about it. I'm sure he's happy. Okay. I mean, you know. I bet he's not. Well, come on. <laughs> what, what about us when we're at the Exxon gas station and we're paying, you know, four bucks right. a gallon or three fifty five? a no, gallon? No, I'm just saying he, I bet he's not happy to see that this young woman – is outranking him. He can't dance nearly as good as her. Well, this is probably something true. you said about that. Right? I don't know. It's a weird financial engine. The it, internet. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it. People still say no one still knows how to make money at it. Well, they're getting a lot better. Well, I'd say so. They're right. Getting I mean, a lot. Can you imagine better. being you know, how proud you would be? At, well, I'm not sure. As the mother or father of the D'Amelio uh, sisters, Charlie and her sister, Dixie. And they are crushing it. Mm-hmm. But what does that do? I wonder psychologically. Good. I just I would yeah. like to say that that's just wonderful, and that you know society rewards entrepreneurs, and so we sh- you know it's it's all a happy story. No, I bet it's not. I don't know. That's too Here much money. It's it's just you know when the name image likeness thing in uh, the NCAA. Yeah, that also similar. Exactly, yeah, I look right. at that and I think you know okay. Okay, it's a shame that the NCAA was hoarding so many tens of millions of dollars for so many years, and we all know they were, so I get that. But in trying to make it equitable and allowing you know 18-year-olds to profit off of their name, image, likeness, I get the fact that they own themselves, I, but that amount of money cannot be good for an 18-year-old. Well, because it you just peak can't. at 18. It can't. And then what? Right. At 18, it's like, right. oh. And what do, you know about, what do you know about anything at that? It's just. I don't know. What do you know? What do you know? I guess that's the question of the ages. Okay, we'll take a break. And uh, Shane Morris is with us, the Colson Center. What would Jesus do? You remember the ubiquitous the little, little band. bracelets? Did you have one? Did no, you wear one? I don't think I did. We're going to talk about what would Jesus do next on the ride home. 101.5 WORD. Dr. Charles Stanley. Joshua 1 9. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Hear the series, The Source of My Strength, this week on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffitt forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com 
or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. This tax filing season could be one for the record books. There are thousands of dollars worth of new tax credits on the table, and Jackson Hewitt will help make sure you get every one you deserve. Tax credits for being a parent, taking care of a parent, taking classes, and so much more. Don't leave thousands on the table. Jackson Hewitt will make sure you get credit for all you do and get your biggest refund guaranteed. Learn more and find your nearest location at jacksonhewitt.com. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. The graphics are so real on this video game console I bought with the savings from switching to Progressive 10 years ago. I can't tell what's real and what's the game, which I think is what people want, you know, in the future, which it is currently. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. I forget what year it was. Maybe like early 90s. A buddy of mine shows up one day and he's got this, you know, (laughs) wristband. (laughs) I'm like, hey, what's going on there, man? He goes, oh, haven't you heard? It's WWJD. What would Jesus do? He goes, I'm doing this, man. Like it was like a trend, like it was some news thing he was doing. What would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I remember seeing those wristbands that were, I think, throughout the nineties. Ubiquitous. Yeah, everywhere. So what would Jesus do? It, it took a lot of praise. It also took a lot of criticism. So here to talk to us about that is Shane Morris. Shane's senior writer at the Colson Center, host of the Upstream podcast, as well as co-host of the Breakpoint podcast. And he wrote a piece that we saw on the um, Gospel Coalition website in defense of what would Jesus do? Hey, Shane, welcome to the show. John, Kathy, thanks for having me on. It's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, Good to so have hold you, your Shane. wrist up. Uh, do you do you have one? Are you bracelet on, Shane? I I, I don't have one. Oh, I Shane. lost my last one at about eight years old. I think it fell apart. <laughs> yeah. They get a little stinky before they fall apart too because of all the sweat. So it was just right. you know it, the trend is over. They belong in museums. But I like the idea um, at the time. And I became critical of it later, but I like the idea again. And yeah. I guess I'll explain more. Yeah. Okay. So that's the way it is with trends, right? You start off, right. everyone's behind it. You think it's a great idea and it's, it's very progressive. You know, we all want to be on the, like so the, cool. the breaking edge of the wave, right? And then the cynics come on board. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how many years later, it becomes like a horrible thing. It doesn't become just like disinteresting. Now it's just wretched. And now it's just a symbol of everything horrible about. Christians and how they glom onto things or whatever. That's kind of what happened to the bracelets, yeah? Yeah, well, one of the things that it's a rite, a rite of passage for people who become interested in theology, especially young men, is they got to repudiate everything they were raised with. And mm-hmm. one of the things I was raised with, of course, was the WWJD bracelets, Awana, memory verses, that sort of thing. And yeah. so um, I reached a phase where I thought, you know, what would Jesus do is actually a terrible idea theologically because you know Jesus would die for the sins of the world. Jesus would 
Uh, he would perform miracles. He would raise the dead and, and heal lepers and cast out demons and so forth. And, uh, you know, he would be the son of God and be born of a, of a virgin in a manger. I can't do any of that. You know, I'm not the savior of the world. I'm not uh, God incarnate. And so I thought, you know, that, that, that is all settled and done with, and we can dispense with that theological concept. But, um, you know, the article details how later on, and this is a reflection on a discussion I had on upstream with uh, a theologian from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Um, later on, I came to realize that, you know, Jesus, uh, we may not follow the details of his biography, but we are to follow the details of his character and his person, and that he actually came not just to save us from our sins, but to teach us how to be human, to restore us mm-hmm. to full humanity. And I quote uh, one theologian, Herman Bovink. I, I've deeply appreciated his work, and he has a section in his uh, book, The Wonderful Works of God, where he actually says that, that Jesus' primary purpose was ultimately to restore mankind and all that that means, including by embodying perfect manhood. And so, you know, asking what would Jesus do is really asking what would he do if he were in my circumstances, if he were in my situation? What kind of things would his character produce if he were in my shoes? Yeah, I don't think it's a, I think uh, the criticism I leveled and many others did early on was a, a, a confusion between Jesus' character and his calling. Yes. Okay, so Shane, uh, as an eight-year-old, of course, you could not comprehend all of that, but to have that around your wrist, it planted some seeds into your long, young life, Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And my, my parents did a wonderful job with that. And the older I get, I have three kids now. My wife and I are expecting our fourth. Okay. Um, we just found out it's a girl. Congrats. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we were hoping for that. Um, my daughter was super excited. But, you know, growing up, you you become critical of your parents at a certain point. And then as you begin to have your own kids, you look back and realize, all right, you know, they had some things figured out. They were smarter than I I thought. And a lot of the advice that they you gave that I initially criticized in my teenage and young adult years as very simplistic, um, you, you go back and look at it and you realize, oh, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think that the wisdom in WWJD and things like it is that it points us back to the human Christ. It reminds us that Jesus uh, is not just fully God, but he's also fully man. Uh, he's fully human. And he came to show us how to be human again, as well as to die for our sins and rise from the dead. Asking what would Jesus do? I mean, if you break it away from the bracelet, and the trend and all of that. But just asking the question, what would Jesus do? It sums up a lot of the Christian life, right? I mean, if we're not asking that question, then we're not really allowing the God of the universe to impact our current circumstance. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's, you know, Christianity 101. Yeah, it absolutely is. And the New Testament is, is replete with commands to imitate Christ. The idea that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, which is what he says uh, he came to do, uh, it, it sort of presupposes that um, his life is not just a, an obedience in our stead, which which theologians will point to, but it's also um, an exemplary obedience. It, it, he fulfills the law and the prophets, meaning he obeys God's rules, and he mm-hmm. uh, he he you know performs all the works of a righteous man perfectly without sin. He comes to be our priest. And in order to be our priest, he actually has to live as one of us. And he did that. And, you know, I think it's easy to to look at the Gospels and, and sort of form this impression of Jesus as a, uh, you know, as a superhuman figure who who's just sort of floats through his existence, uh, looking into the middle distance, you know, always uh, supremely conscious of his godhood, but not really inhabiting his manhood. And he's not really living mm-hmm. as a human being. And I'll tell you, one of the 
pop culture products that that sort of um, recently drove Jesus humanity home to me was uh, Dallas Jenkins, the chosen Mm -hmm. series. Um, That series really depicts a human Christ very reverently, you know, very much acknowledging his divinity, but also showing that this guy was a human, you know, he had friends, he had, uh, 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 he, he had feasts, he had fun, he smiled, he joked, he cried. This is our human Christ. Yeah, and in today's divisive age, we need to know that, right? That Jesus walked this earth as a man. I mean, like you said, he laughed, he suffered, he died, uh, he did all the things that we're going to do. So, of course, you know, that what would Jesus do? As weird as that was in some way, it resonated across the culture, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, there's so much to be said about the, um, it's it's sort of low-hanging fruit, right? To criticize yeah, the kitschiness yeah. and the cheesiness of 90s evangelicalism. Right. I mean, we we see that all the time. We see the music criticized, the t-shirts. I, I mean, I had this one t-shirt. It still makes me cringe to this day. And my, you know, my mom got it for me. So I guess I can blame this on her, but <laughs> I went around wearing it. It said, you know, the Abercrombie and Fitch logo. Yeah. Well, it, it had that same style, but it said a breadcrumb and fish. And then it had the reference to where Jesus multiplies the, the fish and loaves. <laughs> wow. It was really bad. But And there was all sorts of stuff like that. So it was cheesiness. But I think there but was it, also a lot of truth that easily gets discounted when we mock the cheesiness. But you yeah. kind of have to, it, it, in, in products like that, I, I think it's it's probably maturity that you you have to react against it before you can come back to it. Do you know what I mean? You, it's kind of like a necessary growth process or a maturity of thought that you think, well, this is the, what I'm wearing is actually really stupid. Well, so then you're saying and that then, you never had any testaments? Oh, t- testaments. Right. Testaments. <laughs> right. Testaments, actually. I'm not sure I can think of anything positive about the testament. <laughs> oh, when, when you have testaments that are dispensed from like a Larry Boy style that as would dispenser be, type thing, that's a, peak 90s evangelical. A tribute to the family Christian store, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, okay, so when we think about um, what would Jesus do, I think, you know, one of the things, and I never, um, I don't think I ever had a bracelet. I don't know. But the thing that kind of entered my mind is it's easier sometimes to think of what um, G- what Jesus did. And the harder part for me to access is what was his heart while he was doing it? And that's the real mystery of it to me is that there's there's right action but there's some kind of superior grace. There's some kind of uh, – grace isn't even the right word. There's some kind of heart position that he alone had that we can only emulate. So looking at action doesn't even sum it up. Like looking at the Sermon on the Mount, that's what he was trying to say, right? It's not just about you hating somebody or murdering somebody. It's it's bigger than that. It's about what's in your heart. Mm. Yeah. C.S. Lewis makes this incredible point about exactly that uh, question. I, I wrote about it in one of my previous pieces at the Gospel Coalition. It was it was really cheesy. Uh, the title it was called um, "The God Man Didn't Use Cheat Codes," and it was about the question of you know whether it might have been easier for Jesus to be human, to go through human trials, to you know suffer, to mm-hmm. pray prayers that weren't answered, that sort of thing, because he was God, right? So it it had to have been easy for him. Lewis suggests that it might have actually been harder for Jesus than it is for the average um, sinful human being, because we give in to temptation immediately. When, mm-hmm. when we're confronted with temptation, we, we, we're, we live sheltered lives, he says, because we just give in after you know five or 10 minutes. Jesus is the only person 
who has always fought through every single temptation successfully to the end, seeing exactly how bad it gets, how painful it is to want that bread, to want that dominion over the kingdom of Israel, to want the kingdoms of the world and for people to recognize him for who he is while Satan is whispering in his ear and then to say no all the way to the end. We've lived sheltered lives, like like Lewis says. So I think that it's probably fair, very fair to say that um, that we do not know what Jesus went through, that it was so much harder for him precisely because he didn't give in That's to be excellent. human. Shane Morris is with us. He's a senior writer at the Colson Center. Wrote a piece we're talking about it, uh, that's appearing at the Gospel Coalition in defense of what would Jesus do. So, Shane, I mean, it begs the question, you're a father of three, soon, right, four children. Uh, if they said, hey, Dad, could I have one of those uh, what would Jesus do bracelets? You going to say yeah? I'd, I'd be impressed if they could find one, honestly. I mean, they might right. they They're might very be expensive on eBay, sale. I bet. Are they? I yeah. bet they are. Just a guess. Yeah, I haven't I looked it up. I need to go digging through my my childhood keepsake box and see if there's still one like tucked away in there or something I could sell it. And, and Maybe you have in. some precious like the, moments in there too, and you could you know put them all together I, in a <laughs> gift pack. I did, I did not keep any precious moments. My parents might have kept a few of those. <laughs> well, maybe it's time for a new production run. That's all. Okay, so now so going through the whole process, loving it, then denigrating it, and now you're in defense of it again. I mean, it's not such a horrible thing to have that. What would Jesus do? Of course, not not a horrible thing by any stretch of the imagination on our hearts and our minds to actively use this. Mm. Yeah, that's what I I close the piece with a remark that even if we don't have this, you know, slogan or acronym on our wrists, we should always have it at the forefront of our minds. Mm. There's a, you know, there's an there's two aspects to the gospel, really. There's an indicative and there's an imperative. So the indicative is that um, Jesus came to save us from our sins. He, he assumed full humanity. He uh, lived a perfect life in our stead. And then he died um, to, to you know, expunge the penalty for our wickedness, uh, to reconcile us with God. But then there's an indicative as well. And that is to be uh, um, imitators of Christ, to uh, receive his spirit into our lives and to be empowered in the same way that he was empowered during his earthly life um, and, and to imitate him in his perfected humanity. That's one thing that I think we, we so easily lose um, when we criticize things like WWJD and we discount the humanity of Christ is we become um, convinced of what's called a docetic Jesus, that he wasn't really human, that deep down he was actually just sort of a phantasm that, that deceived people into thinking he was human. But the, the testimony of scripture and of Christian history is that Jesus was fully, really, and truly human. And he is, he remains fully human. This is what Hebrews Mm -hmm. says. And that he is, uh, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he is the model for our resurrected humanity. And so uh, in a very real sense, we are going to um, not just ask what would Jesus do, but we're going to be like him because as John says, uh, we will see him as he is at his return. That's the good news. Well, I also have some good news or bad news, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, WWJD bracelets available right now on eBay. You can get a 25 pack for only eleven ninety five. Shane. All right. Well, I'm, I'm a- I'll have to stop right over to eBay after Terrific. this and, and pick nice. them up. Yeah. Glad we could hook you up. No, Shane, hey, before you leave us, you know, um, I think we talked a little bit uh, over email that uh, Chuck was with us over the years uh, on the show. And uh, there you are, senior writer at the Colson Center. So uh, talk to us about the Colson Center, uh, the work that you're still doing, uh, even though Chuck yeah. is not with us here on Earth. It's excellent work. Of course, we're fans of Breakpoint as well. There's a lot of great theological force here. Absolutely. And there's a community that really backs it up, too. I have to say the core of the thing is, um, 
you know, a group of people who've been with us for uh, many years, who've been associated with the Colson Fellows Program, which used to be the Centurions Program. Um, but but the Colson Center is a lot more than Breakpoint now, which is still the legacy kind of commentary. Uh, that's what Chuck did for th- something like 30 years. Um, and I joined uh, back when he was still with us and he was doing that commentary. And I had the pleasure and privilege of writing a few of those uh, commentaries along with him. But yeah, we've really expanded um, the operation since then. The Colson Center is about equipping the church uh, to live out the Christian worldview, to understand it and to live it out with clarity, conviction, and courage. Um, and John Stone Street is our president right now. I co-host the Breakpoint podcast with him. And we've just you know exploded our outreach and uh, the the sort of uh, ministries that we're doing to all all different groups of people, whether it's the Colson Fellows Program, where we have a, a year-long study. We have a record number of students in that this year. Um, we've got the Wilberforce Weekend that we host once a year with uh, amazing speakers, Breakpoint Commentaries, and then we've just started these new podcasts. Uh, so Upstream, my podcast is one of them. Wonderful. We've got another one called Strong Women, uh, hosted by uh, Sarah Stone Street and Aaron Kunkel, and that's a that's a great one too. So it's just a pleasure to work with these people. It's a, uh, it's been a privilege and I'm excited about the the kind of direction the Colson center is going in the future. Fabulous. I think Chuck would be too. We yeah. need it. Well, nice to meet you, Shane. Glad you could join us. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Our great pleasure. Shane Morris, senior writer at the Colson center. As you heard, I mean, there's a whole menu of places to visit, to read, to engage with the podcast. The, the Colson center continues to do great work and uh, we're fans as well. The Colson center. Meg Robbins here. And I'm David Robbins, president of Family Life, and most importantly, Meg's husband. And we would love for you to join us on Family Life's Love Like You Mean It Marriage Cruise, February 6th through the 13th. It's seven nights away just to focus on a stronger, more connected marriage on one of Royal Caribbean's largest and nicest ships. And we are going to be stopping at three beautiful ports. And the cruise is happening just before Valentine's Day. And I'm just saying, it's currently not too late to sign up, but the clock is ticking. It's really such a special time to get away and focus on just the two of us and enjoy solid teaching, great worship and entertainers, and most importantly, time together with my favorite person. Now, I'm looking forward to that, too. And hey, you can join us and save up to 60% with the code JOINUS when signing up at lovelikeyoumeanit.com. That's lovelikeyoumeanit.com. We hope to see you there. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 or more per month with MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. You get access to a massive network of providers and 24-7 telehealth. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years and it's more than just affordable health care, too. You get to be part of a community of Christians who pray for each other and support each other. But here's why now is the time to make the switch. Join before January 15th, and they'll waive your new member fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. Call now. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is January 15th, so you can save even more. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. 
But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Hi, I'm Debbie Childress, director of the Grayson County Alliance, a food pantry in rural Kentucky. Thanks to a local farmer, we recently received a $2,500 donation from America's Farmers Grow Communities, sponsored by the Monsanto Fund, a philanthropic arm of Bayer. As a result, we expanded a classroom where we teach families about nutrition and personal finance. I encourage all farmers to enroll for a chance to direct a $2,500 donation to a local nonprofit. Visit growcommunities.com. Cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see a couple of showers, maybe mixed with snow late to the low 32. Breezy tomorrow with clouds giving way to some sunshine. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 34. Saturday will be cloudy, very cold. We'll reach a high Saturday of 23. Sunday, sunshine will be followed by increasing clouds. We'll reach a high Sunday of 33. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? Celery. Oh. Yes. Celery makes perfect sense. I'll tell you why it makes sense. Even though it probably doesn't have a whole lot of nutritional value, there's something very pleasing about the texture of celery. The bite and the crunch and, of course, it's a delivery vehicle. Right? I mean... Any number of dips. Yeah. So I enjoy a hunk of celery with peanut butter or sour cream or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird, right? Isn't it? I mean, you see it and you kind of go, I never really have a taste for celery, but then it's in front of you and you go, give me some of that. Listen, I affirm you completely in that. Appreciate that. I love myself some celery it makes so much sense no one in my family thinks it makes any really so i'm on my own i'm on an island i'm surprised by that i think it's a disappointment i think about celery you think about it yeah now that's a bit far no i do no how about look how many different things it can do yeah you can chop it up it's delicious in a soup right it's the perfect accompaniment to buffalo anything Mm -hmm. oh you got that right right. wings pizza pulls the mouth down right away right it is, as you said, yep. I, I can't improve on your words, a perfect delivery vehicle. Yeah. So how about like, you weren't old enough to remember, but I remember the, like the first time that celery showed up like at a party, like the celery peanut butter thing. We were like, what the heck is going on Was it like here? cutting edge? Oh my, I thought we were like, you know, Julia Child, like <laughs> Grace Hall, <laughs> celery and peanut butter. Are you kidding me? You're like crushing it, lady. I love you, mom. <laughs> but now, you know, all right. yeah, so it's very cool. Celery. It makes sense? Makes perfect sense, yeah. Okay, does this make sense? The rear windshield wiper. Do you ever really use it? Me, personally? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Unless I, unless I hit, like, you know, Armageddon, I rarely use it. Does it make sense to you, the rear windshield wiper? It's perfect sense. How could you be so wrong? What? Listen. I never use it. The rear wiper is everything. When I get no. in the car, 
the very first thing I do before I put on my regular wipers, what? the rear wiper goes on. People. I never touch it. Plus, right it's away. always broken. The little thing. It's always like, well, you, you know, got, you poor quality. You got to maintain it. No, it you got to care, John. I'd rather just go that when I get gas, I squeegee the back window and I'm good to go. How? Aren't well, you aren't you concerned with being able to see I when see you're on perfectly. the highway, being able to know what's behind you? I see the fine. Clarity of what's coming at you? I don't need that thing. It's a waste of time for me. It doesn't make any yours. sense at all. I'd rather have celery. 101.5 WORD. Have you ever wondered why marriage is so hard? Deborah Faleta says it's because there's a lot about marriage that you just weren't ready for. You're not born a natural communicator. You're not born knowing how to do conflict well. You learn. How to overcome the deficits to have the kind of marriage God wants you to have. That's next time on Family Life Today with Dave and Ann Wilson. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. You know what you could do? You could put in a massive swimming pool in your basement and fill it with Skittles. Ah, Skittles. And there'd be a big light up slide. And you could slide headfirst into Skittle heaven. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many Word FM listeners, is the cash out refinance loan. Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a Skittle Paradise could also be cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7-365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. This entertainment answer brought to you by Exergen. Jessica Chastain produced and stars in The 355 and says it was important to make a female-driven film. It was important for me to make a film where we had actresses not just for hire, but to have ownership over their work. And understanding that the position that we were in was not a normal situation to be in. The 355 rated PG-13 in theaters. For my review and more, head over to theentertainmentanswer.com. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. You hear these stories occasionally, but this, is, this one takes the cake. American soldier John Gonslaws was serving in Germany in the aftermath of World War II. He wrote a letter to his mom in Massachusetts in 1945. So last month, the U.S. Postal Service delivered that letter. The letter was 76 years late. (laughs) 
Gene Gonslavs, who's 89, was astonished to hold the airmail envelope in her hand that her airmail carrier, that her mailman had dropped off earlier in the day. The letter, which had a six cent stamp, had been forwarded from of all places, Pittsburgh. It was addressed to John Gonslave's mother, also named Angelina, and of course, long deceased. Now, uh, John Gonslaves, he died in 2015 at the age of 92. But his widow says, I'm sitting there looking at this tiny, tidy handwriting, and it's like taking a, a look back in time. The letter was penned on white paper. It was dated December the 6th, 1945. And John Gonsalves was 22 years old. He was an Army sergeant. He wrote the letter from Bad Orb, Germany. He was a near a Nazi prisoner of war camp that had been liberated by American troops. And so the article that I'm reading from uh, from the Washington Post, it, it shows the letter itself, shows the beautiful handwriting, and there's John Gonslav's his widow, 89 now, holding this letter. So, you know, it's, it's just sort of a sort of pedestrian kind of letter. But I'm sure his mom, who got this in 1945, would have gotten it in 1945, would have been thrilled mm-hmm. because there she is, her, her son far, far away, writing. Now, here's the weird thing. So this letter that was 76 years winding its way across the world coming from Pittsburgh, and it, it came from the Pittsburgh delivery system, and it came with a note, and the note says this, quote, enclosed, please find a letter from your husband, John Gonslavs, to his mother dated December 6, 1945. We are aware of the passing of your husband in 2015, our condolences. As his next of kin, this letter now passes to you. We are uncertain where this letter has been for the past seven-plus decades, but it arrived at our facility approximately six weeks ago. By virtue of some dedicated sleuth by the postal workers at this facility, we were able to determine your address, hence this letter delivery to you, albeit... 76 years late. Due to the age and significance to your family history, delivering this letter was of utmost importance to us. And um, he said that uh, the the widow, John Gonslav's widow, phoned uh, Eric Stonewall to thank him for forwarding the unopened letter. She was told that the United States Postal Service had no idea how it ended up in Pittsburgh after more than seven decades. Quote, uh, they're just not sure what happened, and I guess it really doesn't matter. I'm just so happy to have it. I would have been 13 when my husband wrote this letter. They were nine years apart in age. Isn't that crazy? It's a, it's a crazy story. And, John, you encouraged me to look it up on the Washington Post website just so I could see the photographs of the letter and the handwriting and everything and the stamp. And it is so cool. It really is. I also liked um, the part of the story about the mailman who came up to her at her house. The mailman asked if my husband had been in the service, and I told him yes, but I didn't know him then. He said he thought the letter that he was going to present was something personal for me, and he was really happy to give me the letter as priority mail. (laughs) So what would happen? So the the U.S. Postal Service here in Pittsburgh says it was delivered to them. Six weeks ago. Well, where has it been? I don't know. I mean, did it fall behind a wall in some facility and they've remodeled the facility and then all of a sudden mail came back out? And then the sluice here in the city of Pittsburgh for the mail service 
who are un- who are unnamed yeah. in the article. They just passed it along. But the the mail is so weird. I mean, I I went to the it's mailbox. It's an amazing thing that it works. Oh, you got that right. It really is. Well, I went to the mailbox yesterday, and uh, <laughs> as more often than not, because of the age we live in, all I had yesterday was two pieces. They were sort of large, oversized um, postcards, and they were essentially junk mail. Mm-hmm. One from Verizon, one from some insurance thing or something or other. Look how you know the mail delivery service totally changed. Totally changed. I mean, email has changed everything. I'm sure it's a fraction of what it once was. Not that long ago, they were talking about we're gonna we're gonna decrease mail service. We'll only deliver mail four days a week. We'll eliminate Saturday and one other day of the week. Now there was an uprising. We need mm-hmm. our mail, you know, six days a week. Um, to be honest, for the most part, I mean, the age of like we grew up in an age. I'm sure you did too, Kath, where Letters, letter writing was, was primary. Yep, it was My mother, deal. on a regular basis, I mean, we, you know, almost daily, would sit down at the dinner table at, at our evening meal, and she would read letters to us from her correspondence mm. to Aunt Catherine, Aunt Hazel, Aunt Louise. Uh, Uncle Ed. I mean, we, you know, and as a family, we all sat there and listened to my mother recite these letters, her correspondence. Then she would sit down that evening and write a letter back. Huh. And that's just, that's how we stayed in touch with family members. Wow. Because we would never, you know, make a long distance phone call. But those letters, they were key to our family history. I knew those people, even though I rarely saw them. I'm a terrible letter writer, and I don't like that about myself. I'm bad with cards. Who's a good letter writer? I don't, well, there are people, you're much better than I am. You're very good with cards, and I'm not. Well, I, I was, you know, like ingrained, write the thank right. you notes. I mean, right. you know, by by fear of, you know, <laughs> physical punishment. You better write that thank you note. Right. Did you have to write thank you notes when you were little, Christy? Um, I wrote thank you notes for my graduation. Okay, your high school graduation. Yeah. Right. But like not Christmas presents, birthday presents. We, we no. always did that. Nope. I mean, like, you know, literally, my Aunt Louise would give me a nickel, and 15 minutes later, I'm writing a thank you note. Right. There is something a little bit like I feel like I'm in prison when someone gives me a gift. If that's what has to happen, to write a, a note back? No, well, why? I mean, just no. if if you get if you get a nickel from Aunt Louise and you're like, oh my gosh, oh, I have well. to, like, no, I don't know. You know. I guess it depends on what your attitude is. If your attitude is that you know you really want to say thank you and you really should say thank you, that's one thing. Then, or if Aunt Louise is going to be mad at you if you don't, oh, that's yeah. a whole different. I know it was just part of the exchange, right? I mean, it was just that was the that's what the adults it's a very, did. It's a very mannerly way to live. Have we? Have I passed it along? I mean, I, I'm a, like like my sister Mary Jane. You know, she's so she's so fabulous, and she always remembers my kids. And even my kids are now in their twenties. You know, she'll send them you know a check for Christmas because we didn't see her this year. You know, um, I said to my boys, "Did you write a, a thank you note? Uh, no. Can I just text her?" No, you need to write a thank mm. you note. You know, and I've, I'm sure I've said that six times. I, I basically have given up. So, Mary Jane, if you're listening, my apologies. <laughs> I've done the best. A thank I you can. note may, probably would never arrive. What, did you guys get Christmas cards this year? Oh yeah, we got a ton. Okay, Christy. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get Christmas cards to the to the basement. Nobody oh, sends no, you. No. I no. Send you we should have sent you one. What do you did not get? We got a ton of Christmas. Uh, cards. I mean, we got some cards. We didn't get nearly as many as we have in past years. You, I, don't, I bet you didn't either. Well, you, I'm not sure. Mail, probably not, but uh, we still got a lot. I mean, I don't think that fell off. You didn't send out any? Or did you? Did, I sent cards out. Did you? I didn't send one to you. Oh, 
He didn't send me a card, Christy. Savage. Did he send one to you? He did not. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, guys don't have my address. You know what? No, because yeah. he just takes us for granted. I think it's what No, it I sort of, like, I see you every day. What am I going to send you a card for? I mean. Love. Merry Christmas. Care. I don't know. Regard. Did you send cards out? No. None. 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 No. You know what I did? I sent cards out to pretty much. The people the, you like. <laughs> no. <laughs> you like this. To the elderly members of my family. Oh, well, that's good. Because it was yeah. important to them, I yeah, believe. Yeah, that's good. To stay in that touch. That was good. Yeah. Right. Um, so I sent out some cards. Uh, I bet you I got, like, if, if you compared this Christmas to 10 years ago, oh, I bet half. 20%. 20%. Really? Maybe 30. Maybe no, 30. I think I still got what I, what I really love, and I never do this, and I know this gets a bad rep, but, you know, we've got multiple Christmas letters. Hmm. I, I know that people mock those, and I would never write one because it's, I mean, but the people who do that, yeah, you really like I love that. them. They're really always interesting to me. It's kind of an art form. That's, yeah. You know, it's so, I mean, heck, one of them, I get I get like four pages long, and I roll my, I go, but then I'm caught up. Right. And and I feel bad because I'm like, I don't reciprocate. I just send a Christmas card and go, love you, Merry Christmas, and they go, like, I just poured out my life to you. Right, and you just said Merry Christmas exactly. back. That's sweet. Have you ever written a Christmas letter, Christy? No. No. Okay. Well, what's going to happen? So with a, a, another generation, Christmas cards will go away, don't you think? I mean, I get e-cards. Do you get e-cards? Mm-hmm. I got a couple of E-Christmas cards, cards mm-hmm. which is also sweet. I like that. Sure. Did I reciprocate? No. no I did not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about, you know, like, anyway, the, what started this conversation was that letter, 76 years missing. When you look at that, if you, if you would look at that... Um, it's easy to find um, on the Washington Post. The headline yeah. is, this man... Oh, sorry, it's not... No, <laughs> I, the headline, headline is, USPS just delivered a letter from an American soldier in Germany. It was 76 years late. Washington Post. When you look at that letter and you see the cursive... Oh, my gosh. I thought to myself, my handwriting is a national disgrace. This was a 22-year-old... the worst handwriting. This was a 22-year-old young man. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Right? I remember years ago, I, I've told this before, but a friend and I were out doing something and we wanted to identify something. And someone said to us, do you know, you know your mother's handwriting? And of course, we both nodded our head. He goes, this is not your mother's handwriting mm. as a means of identification. But I mean, I picture my mother's handwriting. It was beautiful. I'm right. sure your yeah, mother's handwriting. Yeah. They were schooled in the art and it was individual, yep. but it was also, there was a, a pattern against it. Christy, how's your mom's handwriting? Lovely. See? Way nicer than mine. Yep, yes. same with all of us. Is it cursive? Yes. We all, we all stink. What the heck? We all stink. Anyway, just a thought. All right, when we come back, um, more to come. It's the Thursday edition. <laughs> That's so generic. Right. <laughs> more to come. I mean it. I, I got nothing either. I mean it then. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Brr, isn't it chilly? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, snuggling up to a nice warm bowl of homemade soup. Winter on our farm means my brother Sam and his guys are trying to stay warm as they feed all the groups of cows, calves, and heifers out in the elements, milk the 100-cow herd twice a day, and handle all that comes with a working dairy farm, no matter what the weather is. Winter at the Springhouse store means a little slower pace, so it's a great time for our cooks to try out new main dishes, new sides, and new 
soup recipes like the one I'm enjoying, vegetarian chili. The bakers are even getting in on the act and trying new desserts too, like chocolate cherry cordial. Stop by for lunch or supper and see what new creations they've come up with today. Good old-fashioned cooking featuring all-natural, farm-fresh ingredients and lots of TLC. The Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD. Want to be a more effective disciple maker in 2022? Crossroads Ministries in Finleyville presents Refuel One Day Pittsburgh, Tuesday, January 25th. A free event for pastors, ministry teams, and community leaders to come together, be inspired, and learn what effective disciple makers do to better impact our world. Featuring Thomas Road Baptist Church Senior Pastor Jonathan Falwell and leaders of the Liberty Church Network. 9 to 3 p.m. January 25th, lunch will be provided. Register free of charge at CrossroadsMinistries.com. Unjunk your sleep at Mattress Firm's new bed, new you sale. Start the year off right. Shop select mattresses from top brands starting at $159.99. Plus, you'll even get immediate delivery. Don't miss out. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Girl Scout cookie season is upon us. That's a shame. And there was much rejoicing. Uh, listen, I'm just... I'm still, you know, digesting calories from Christmas and New Year's. I know, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Okay, now Girl Scout cookies Yeah, and now I'm going to tell you something worse, which is that there's a new cookie this year called the Adventureful. Have you heard of it? Okay. (laughs) No. Listen to this. It looks delicious. Oh, gosh. That's my preamble. Okay. A brownie-inspired treat featuring a caramel-flavored cream center, a drizzle of chocolate sauce, and, wait for it, sea salt. Wait, just the description. I just gained two pounds. Uh, honestly, they look really great. It's 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 their debut. Um, they're going to be available in addition to all the iconic uh, Girl Scout cookie flavors that you've come to know and love. Seriously, I bet they are delicious. Really? I mm. bet they're delicious. Now through April, April, I'm reading here from People Magazine. You know, go to people.com <laughs> People. daily. Wait here to prepare for the ride home. That subscription's running out. Be able to time to renew <laughs> your subscription. Have to get on that, John. To people. Um, now through April, cookie enthusiasts can get their hands on Adventurefuls, along with the ever popular Thin Mints, which are my favorite. Mine too. Frozen. They're the bomb. Mm. Samoas, those are the caramel things. Uh, Tagalongs, the peanut butter patties. Mm. They're pretty good. Uh, Dosi Dos, mm. the peanut butter sandwich, which I think are delicious. Shortbread, surprisingly good. 
Don't you think? Yeah, With the little bits of like I love them. the the like uh, mm-hmm. hard sugar on top. Sure. Uh, the caramel chocolate chip, the coffee tastic, the lemon ups, mm. the lemonades, and Girl Scout s'mores. Very nice. Yeah, very, very nice. There also a new one came out last year called the French Toast inspired Toast Yay. Mm. How'd that do? I feel like it was badly named. Mm. Anyway, I I haven't heard of it until today. Mm. And um, DoorDash is now delivering. Them. Oh, please. Okay. Very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Years so, ago, uh, my wife said, uh, "Hey, we hey, you know we had some Girl Scout cookies in the house," and she said, "You you want a Girl Scout cookie?" I said, "Yeah, g- give me one." She literally came back with one cookie. I was like, "No, I meant one sleeve." <laughs> right. Yeah. One Not cookie. One. What do you think I am? Like you know, Twiggy. Crazy talk is that? Okay, so. I have not had a, like a Girl Scout show up at my doorstep. Oh, in since nineteen fifty four. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know when. I that. mean, you I see mean, them I outside, usually, or I'd buy them from somebody at church, or here, or here, or I'd buy them at Giant Eagle when I was exactly. walking into the store. Someone, uh, you know, an industrious group of Girl Scouts with a table outside, right? And then you'd stop and buy a few boxes, right? What would you buy? Thin mints and the um, what's the little uh, caramel thing? Oh, I don't know the caramel yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I need Chris, the menu in front Christy, of me. Christy, what do you buy? Thin mints all yeah, day? Always, always. Frozen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I'm not going to say no to... <laughs> I like those lemon ones, too. Oh, me too. Those I, lemon ones those. are really good. We should sell them. We should sell them on the, the air. three we of us. Help the girls. <laughs> yeah. or we, or we're going to go work for DoorDash. People would run. Hey, would you like to buy some grocery paste for me? People would like run away. Can you imagine calling DoorDash and saying I need thin mints? Wait, she... Christy I'm going to do it. Excited. Okay, report back. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.